are about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. something to say <laughs> i killed your baby today i was gonna say you're listening to the worst gig ever today oh that's what you were gonna do okay <laughs> i don't know we get your mind out of the gutter join me mike pace i'm jeff garlock for a fantastic <laughs> well, right off the bat right off the bat uh another great episode we have the front man for the rock group Thursday, Jeff Rickley. And United Nations. United Nations. He's got a whole yeah, bunch of things. solo now. Yeah, Jeff Rickley from Thursday. And this guy's, I mean, you talk about a band that was was really broke through via MTV in the early aughts, kind of had a huge, the high of highs, when people use, low of lows. When people use that term, blew up, Thursday blew Thursday up. Thursday blew up. And then they kind of blew up. And then they blew up. And Jeff has some amazing stories about dealing with Going from booking like hardcore punk basement shows to to working with L.A. Reed yep. to uh, and some of his worst gigs. He's got some worst gigs. He's got some solid worst gigs. Too. So you guys are in for a treat, I would say. It doesn't matter what day of the week you're listening to. It's always Thursday here on <laughs> this week's Irish Geek Ever. <laughs> but Mike Pace was not in for a treat. I was when not. When he saw the movie. Bullet I was going to talk about this for a second. Bullet let's to talk, the Head. Let's talk about Bullet to the Head. Welcome to this, this, we call this segment Film Corner. We do it, maybe. <laughs> we do it never time. a clock. <laughs> uh, so, so my brother and I went to go see the new Walter Hill directed film, bullet to the head everything's promising about this. exactly for those of you who don't know walter hill kind of a journeyman director but he made uh the warriors he made an amazing movie called southern, southern comfort, comfort in the early 80s uh, he's 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 a respected kind of he's a b-movie guy yeah but he's awesome he's a he's got a solid he's yeah he's definitely vigilante. got a solid hand Vig- vigilante as well Three yes point zone vigilante but let's say that he, he hasn't really made a movie in in a number of years yeah and so there was this this hype so to speak he made he's making this movie with sylvester stallone and this korean guy right um i mean look <laughs> I, I can't recall his name right now uh and it was it's a kind of a throwback to 80s cop almost like a right. buddy cop thing but stallone plays a a, a lifetime criminal and the, the korean man plays a uh or this actor yes please this, this actor the korean man <laughs> plays a cop and it's in louisiana and oh, you're is. expecting a lot of of tongue-in-cheek kind of throwback stuff but what you really got was just kind of a run-of-the-mill by the numbers movie that you'd literally seen a thousand times before sylvester ah. stallone is literally like a a rubber mannequin with, but now he's got these tattoos, and it looks like his body is actually he contorted. He has crazy tattoos now. But it looks like his body is contorted in, like, like, he, like he's suffering from giganticism, even though he's a small... <laughs> like, he doesn't move quick. You know, the speech is slurred beyond recognition. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it was very disappointing. It was so dumb. 
And there are like seven villains, and none of them you really care about. So sad. I was so excited to see it. I will say that it is competently directed, and uh-huh. the the action scenes definitely work. There's an axe fight in this movie. I was excited for the axe fight. That is that is pretty fun, but I can't give it a wholehearted film corner recommendation, just because I I wouldn't say I was bored, but I was not impressed. I was excited. I wanted to see it. Uh, I wanted to see that in the last stands, just because I don't know. Whatever. I got well, a soft spot. There's a throwback. For both uh, there's a there's a level of familiarity. There's a level of comfort. But the fact that remains is that both of these guys, Sly and and Schwarzenegger, really haven't made a good movie in 20 years. That's not true. What's a good Sylvester Stallone movie that's come out since Copland? Rambo. Oh, you know what? Yep, you are right. Uh, Expendables was, 2 was kind of fun it was, Expendables 1 was disappointing Expendables 2 I had a lot of fun Rambo is a solid uh, movie Okay, I'll give you I saw someone coming as someone who saw Rambo twice in the theater uh, yeah. This we're talking about of course the Rambo reboot if you yep. will from a couple of years ago did it need to be made? yes we okay. needed to one we needed to make the most violent movie ever but two we needed to wrap it up we needed to have Rambo come home okay. at the end. Yeah, I, I'll alert. grant you that that the Rambo and we needed to have right. Rambo say "fuck the world" when the Christian, and also have a whole plot where basically they were like, "Don't believe in God, you're all going to end up killing everyone." Anyway, that's right. And it's a crazy and Burma's war zone, which <laughs> yeah. he does say in that movie. Schwarzenegger, on the other hand, probably since True Lies hasn't made a yeah, I don't think. I, and I've really seen them all. Saying. Eracer, no good. End no. of days, not so no. good. Six six man, look, no. Look, you're you are your own person listener go see fucking end of the world whatever this movie is called bullets of the head i don't the know world. End of the world. <laughs> fuck the world but what you should do is listen to jeff rickley you should listen to episode. other episodes of the podcast worst gig ever podcast.tumblr.com subscribe on itunes leave us feedback worst gig ever at gmail.com tell us your favorite thursday story do it all, man. Tell us about Thursdays with Maury or whatever. Do it all. Or yes, Tuesdays definitely with do Maury. that one. Uh, do it all. But for now, listen to Jeff Rickley on Worst Gig Ever. Love it. Leave Love it. it. Life regret. <laughs> Worst Gig Ever. That's the thing is I was trying to think about the 15 years and Thursday, and I couldn't think of one bad gig at all. <laughs> you fucking <positive laughs> And then I remembered asshole. seven years that <laughs> yes, I was blocking out. Yes. You had a good therapy session, and it all <laughs> yeah, came yeah, flowing yeah. out. Um, no, it, it, <laughs> it actually made me think of, like, you know, gig in the sense of, like, job. Mm-hmm. And, like, so whole tours would be like, man, this is the worst gig ever. Right. Like, doing this is right. the worst gig ever. Um, and I remember... So on the worst tours ever, finding like those one, the one or two and trying not to mix them up too much, but the one or two gigs <laughs> that were like so far worse than the others. Right. Um, I'll, I'll start out by talking about the worst tour ever was we were on a tour that has the worst name ever probably called Taste of Chaos. Oh, I think I, yeah, I may we have were, read about this on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> he, he, he sent it to me, and I was like, oh, well, that's this probably going to come this up. This was on my, uh, on my list of questions. Yeah. Uh, the poo-poo platter of destruction. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about Taste of Chaos. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, 
it just sounds awful right away. But <laughs> but you know, we were kind of like we had done Warped Tour a bunch, and it's like, well, it's not the coolest tour ever, but usually it ends up being really good for so us. So what right. what well, just give us a sense, like what year is this? When when was this happening? This At what point in your career? This one is two thousand nine. So we had already broken from like the most successful part of our career and started making records with Dave Fridman and mm-hmm. doing weirder stuff. And so we were like, I don't know, like we didn't we didn't align ourselves with Warp Tour because we thought maybe we were getting too out there for that crowd. And right. our manager at the time was like, This will be different. You guys will be headlining and you'll curate the whole lineup. It's the taste of chaos. And we were like, man, it's still <laughs> You get to pick your taste. Yeah. Okay. Pick, pick your taste. <laughs> curate some chaos. <laughs> and so we were like, nah, I don't know. And he's like, and you know, you've got a new record coming out on an indie for the first time in a bunch of years, and you'll get a bunch of magazine covers and it'll be like so we were like, Yeah, maybe we'll suck a little corporate cock. <laughs> Right. Has to be done sometimes. So so he was like, you know, pick some bands. And we were like, okay, cool. Like, what would make sense? Like, me, all right. You know, ask, you know, ask what could make sense. Maybe even lean a little heavy because it's Taste of Chaos. Like, Every Time I Die and Poison the Well and Converge. Mm -hmm. And like, okay, so we picked out a bunch of bands who were still maybe too heavy to really be like perfect support for us. But we were like, all right, out of this list, we put together a huge list. And he was like, great. Yeah, we'll get this done. And so it comes back, and it's all bands that I've never heard of. Like, literally every single one was a band that I've never heard of. <laughs> Way to curate that shit. <laughs> yeah, and we were like, okay, how's this? And he's like, yeah, but now the magazine covers are out, so you have to do it. So <laughs> we were like, okay. <laughs> Somebody got grifted. <laughs> <laughs> um, so wait, they just put together a, a, a package... Without kind of your without kind of your okay. Who's wait? Who's running the taste of cat? Is it like sponsored by like Rockstar or something? Mm. Or like I'm just guessing <laughs> something. Some like kind that. of energy drink. I know it would be the taste I of chaos. Feel that probably I'm violating a contract by not knowing this anymore. But <laughs> it was sponsored it was by something, something huge like that. And then there were sub things right, right, on right. It that made it way more embarrassing than it should have been so sure. i've never heard any of these bands so i'm like kind of like man i wonder if anybody's gonna come because nobody's ever heard of these bands, i did right? a tour sponsored by sparks anyways by the way so <laughs> yeah. that was yeah, you we're all in the yeah. same <laughs> shitty boat yeah a couple of camel cigarette yeah. shows yeah. under my belt thanks Cam- yeah oh, no yeah. that was the one we turned down <laughs> for some reason i don't know why oh yeah um, wait till you see it i've got a new logo for my solo stuff and it's cigarettes because <laughs> i was like fuck it i don't even smoke but this is where i'm at right exactly. now <laughs> i thought it'd be a coup to be yeah. the straight edge kid getting paid by <laughs> Campbell, but whatever. Uh, I know, right? I know. That's always the thing that I'm like, well, you know, if I don't, if I'm not into this, then it's me taking their money. It's like, no. Really way. subverted the yeah, system, so, bro. You know what? After you subvert for a while, you realize you're just swimming in this shit. <laughs> yes, soup. exactly. Yeah. But anyway, getting back to this ridiculous thing that we were on, um, I figured because I had never heard of them, it meant that nobody had and that we would be the only band that had any draw on it. Oh, how I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> nobody had ever heard of us, it turned out. In the age group of kids that listen to this music... There's a band from the UK called Bring Me the Horizon that before they played, I thought they might be the Beatles because it was like screaming children. It was like hysteria. And I was like, whoa, we're in right. trouble. Like, and, who is this? And they were like main support. They were main support. And it was like, holy shit. And then before them was this band, Four Years Strong, who were also huge at the time, kind of like um, a moshier newfound glory, I guess. Right. Uh-huh. If anybody... Nobody's gonna for the listener. For the listener, a moshier newfound glory (laughs) means a moshier moshier Green Day. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) But not as it's some version of Shy Halud, but less so. Um, Yeah, Uh, I can't qualify it any more than that. (laughs) So 
and I all actually, bands that I've like heard the names of, maybe mm-hmm. somehow, but don't know where they exist. Well, a name like world. Bring Me the Horizon the hard follows that yeah. the spectrum of like bands giving themselves these four word right. names. Well, because even like every time I did, there was a period where I remember it was like every time I die, as I lay dying, further seems forever. Right. Like it was the phrase, the phrase there was a phrase yeah. core going on. <laughs> I know, and, and I didn't know what was going on out of that, that because we were like, we don't want to be one of these phrases, <laughs> right? Yes. And we also don't want to like toot our own horn too much because sure. there was also like that sort of like the cocky like we're so awesome type right. band name yeah so we we're like thursday's so anonymous like the smiths and then of course after every emo band had a day of the week <laughs> right we we're like okay well that doesn't work anymore but luckily you had but, thursday which yeah. is thursday, thursday so it's kind of the most metal <laughs> powerful <ball>. yeah <laughs> um so yeah okay so bring me the horizon one of the things that you have to know about this band is not only are they a metalcore band but the singer is like a uh, heartthrob Mm. Like a, a throat tattooed UK mm-hmm. heartthrob. Right. So that was like the whole thing that they had was they had this young, like, we love this guy thing. Like even in Sydney, I'd go to, uh, you know, I lived in Sydney for a little while because mm-hmm. my wife was from, from Australia. And uh, <clears throat> and there'd be posters of like, come to this dance party. It'd be Lady Gaga and the singer of Bring Me the Horizon on the poster. Like, so that's like the kind of <laughs> so fame weird. level that he was at, which I didn't realize. Right. <laughs> And so in LA, we kind of held our own, mm-hmm. but then we started playing like places where it wasn't quite like that for right. us. And we started realizing that people didn't even realize that Thursday was the name of a band. They thought it was just <laughs> the wrong day of the week right. on, the, on Re- the flyer. Wow. Because it was way up at the top. Right, right, and it was right. Just, like, it just mold, molds into it, yeah. And the only way that I found that out was because, <laughs> this is where it starts to get really bad, one of the sub-sponsors was Denny's. <laughs> they, sure. They had a late night menu that was like named after rock bands. Eish. And so just I, like with the Hobbit. Look at here. You're just like Peter Jackson. <laughs> totally. But Peter Jackson didn't have to show up after shows and eat there <gasps> and have fans come and look at you eat. Guess I'll have the is, moons over my hammy Thursday. Yeah. That's okay. what it was like. At least with the Bring Me the Horizon guys going to Denny's as well. So you yeah. could cushion oh, yeah. the blow. Well, no. So we could see all the fans flocking to them and coming over and being like, were you guys in a band? <laughs> And then, like, we had this one shirt that was, because once we realized what kind of bands we were on tour with, we made this shirt that said the stupid scene shirt, and it was light blue, and it had a unicorn with a submachine gun, Mm. and, like, it was, like, farting out dollar signs. Like, it was, like, a it was our joke shirt. Yes. And kids would come up and be like, oh, you guys are a band? You should sign this, because I love this shirt. And we'd be like, oh, oh, no. So it was a very, quote, unquote, scene crowd at the time when when that stuff was going on. The website Stuff You Will Hate would love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Kudos to stuff for the how would you, for the listener. How would you even define what scene is? Oh, because it's a, it's not you know, it's it's, it's a genre yeah. unto itself. It is. It's a genre. It's, I, it I has mean, this it's weird like anime. Yeah, like a weird anime right? cartoony. It's like it's like the cartoony version of emo hairdresser, emo hairdresser, zombie brain tattoo. Yeah, right. Uh, like take the kind but, of but burning very, angel like. Yeah. Suicide Girl dynamic, but times it by a thousand with anime and unicorns thrown but, in. But specifically ge- geared towards like a 16-year-old girl. It's mall. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hot Topic. Yeah. Hot Topic. Okay. And it's, scene, uh, its day has already passed. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, the yeah, yeah. scene was a very brief moment in time. Right. right. And I think it sort of like went through a few incarnations there that were probably too subtle for your average listener right. to care about at all. Right. As uh, I tried to explain to my sketch class the other day, the difference between death metal and black metal, and even had a problem with that. I'm like, I'm not going to get into this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what kind of, because they were like, what kind of band was your old band? I was like, I don't want to really talk about it. It's You're like, just, which one? It gets so <laughs> complicated. Yeah. It's just like... 
Well, Have you heard of scrams? <laughs> you know what's really funny is Jonah Jonah Bear, who uh, is also in United Nations, I turned him on to an Italian band called Rain. Right. And he tweeted me, uh, thanks for turning me on to Rain, the finest in Italian scrams. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, so much better than that false Italian screamo. <laughs> like, as it, like, you know what I mean? Like, who's not the finest Italian right. screamo band? Like, right. you know what I mean? Oh, I got a lot of Wait, thoughts on is, Italian yeah. screamo versus scrams. <laughs> is, is Rain the late 80s band? No, I different Rain. This has an E yes. in it. This has an E in yes, it. Yes, right? this oh, is R A. Okay. I, yeah, not it's the like, Rain. There's like a. There's like a uh, um, there was an old school emo like, band, yes. kind of like Indian Summer, called right. Rain. Yes. That, right. The LP at one point was very hard to find yes. for a certain subset of 200 people <laughs> in America. so inside baseball right it, now. It's, like, we're, it's, it's the true. beauty <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> yes. Okay, so anyway, I want to get back it's to still this. still getting worse. This, <laughs> is I, this tour that we were on is still getting worse. Right. So, well, it's, this, is, and this is something that both Jeff and I from our band is, can empathize with, is going on tour <laughs> with a band that is supporting you and mm. turns out to have their moment in the sun. Ooh, right. While you are on the tour, <laughs> too many times, but and also is so uh, diametrically opposed to what right. your band's doing that everybody that's seen your band like seven times in the last three years is like, well, I'm not going to that. Yeah, right. Because yeah, because I'm sure you were having that feeling, like you said, like you were worried, you know, b- uh, beforehand that you're kind of just right, you know, sucking the industry dick basically <laughs> going into that tour, and that's like, oh wait, I am like a thousand percent, almost. like I'm just well, here yeah. and especially and getting pres- shit on while right. I'm doing that. And you're presenting a record that's way more oblique and weirder than right. anything you've ever done, and right. at the same time shilling for more corporate sponsors right. than you ever had. So it's just like nobody thinks this is right. cool at all. It's a crazy <laughs> mental war in a war on stage. Yeah, and then so we're making these Denny's appearances where kids are like, <laughs> "Did you play?" And I'm like showing up in my pajamas with sunglasses and helium balloons tied to them, just being a clown. Like, I don't, why am I here? But wait, is this the kind of thing where like the majority of the audience is leaving after Bring Me the Horizon and you guys are still kind of, yeah, like show by show it's different, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. essentially it was like, a noticeable, noticeable, like probably half, um, like half, yeah, right, maybe, um, which in 5,000 seaters is like we still would have had a good crowd if it wasn't. So obvious that like half the crowd left. Sure, you know what I mean, sure. Um, and then because also you're real, you're you're the fans who are really into you are going to be hard pressed to be like, well, they do tour. Yeah. Maybe I'll just wait the next time. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. not get a taste of chaos this time. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so then we get to Canada, where it's like this band from the UK is so much bigger in Canada than they are in the <laughs> states. <laughs> There were, like, actually, like, all these shows are selling out, like, 5,000 caps in, like, Saskatoon. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? So we get to this one place. It's a movie theater. And we go on stage. And there's, I think, 27 or 30 people left in this, like, 2,500 cap. That had previously been sold out. They had been, like, packed. Wow. Packed out. And it's, like, so painful and weird. And you can tell even the kids that are there and love us are just, like, uh, right. Uh, get me out of here. This is so awkward. I feel so bad for this band that I love. Right. And so we're going on stage and uh I turn like I always like it's sort of like me and our drummer Tucker just kind of like usually in a zone together where the rest of the guys are tuning and we're like kind of like hey man what's going on? And he goes, "Is it time to punch out yet right before the first song?" And I was like, "Dude, I think we've been punched out for at least a month. Like this is this is going so bad." And I turn around and I was like, "Hey, we're the unannounced headliner Cobra Starship. And you see a few kids, like, after three songs, our merch girl comes up to Sidenelty, comes out, she's a woman, she would kill me if 
she heard me call her a girl. And, uh, <laughs> she comes up to the side of the stage and she goes, hey, psst. Uh, somebody just asked me uh, where the Cobra Starship merch is because they like you guys. <laughs> and I was like, that's cool. See if you can like pen over one of our shirts right. and sell it. You know, like, just I, right. Just cross out Thursday. Yeah, cross it out. I don't care. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, and how are merch sales? Like, I mean, are they are merch sales rough? Because especially on those tours, you're, well, one, you're banking on merch, mm-hmm. like most bands, most touring bands. But also, there's such a exhausting and mind-bending factor when you start to, when you see everyone else mm. just like throwing just yeah. shirts at fans five thousand dollars right dollar nights right like, yeah. oh that's the that's the other thing not to interject but just like of that whole kind of scene quote unquote is that there's so much merch to be so sold much. yeah like, that's just kids yeah. come out but they're gonna buy like they're not gonna buy a shirt of every band they're right. going to go for the one you know seven they've got they've right got now. yeah, yeah. that much money to seven spend bring me the horizon shirt. Le- yeah. let me let me ask you this um was there ever a point in which you guys considered like maybe swapping with those guys or was there a contractual thing where like you guys had to headline was there kind of a pride thing what was no what was pride going? i think there was probably <laughs> yeah there's no pride. <laughs> <laughs> when he's got balloons on his head and Denny's <laughs> in the middle of like um, Boise. No, I think we were just trying not to lose our shirt. Right. Yeah, you know, it was like one of those things that we had agreed to do that we could just basically come home broken even on right. as the headliner. Did it ever come up from any of the promoters of like switching? No. That's good. Yeah. It was like least. a weird well, design if, thing. If the yeah. shows were sold out already, you guys are getting your guarantee. That's not going to be a, a problem. It's you know, and none of the promoters like the kids and bring me their eyes, and they were total douches. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, sure. I'm just kidding. There were two of them that were super cool, and then the rest of them were total yeah. douches. Yeah. We're gonna have them on next week. We'll <laughs> yeah, oh, we'll He's get their sick. side of the story. Yeah. Uh, we'll start a big battle. How here. are bring me the horizon doing these days? They, I don't. Probably great. <laughs> I would <laughs> imagine they're doing swimming in gold. This episode is like going yeah. out Magnum. to the guys <laughs> from <laughs> Bring Me the Horizon and and, and I do Magnum. sort of like a couple of those guys, and I'm gonna keep it. Uh, sketchy as sure. <laughs> right. So, would you say that this show in, Sask- in Saskatoon was the uh, the nadir yeah. of this tour? Where oh, you're, yeah. but and but the thing that I that I, I wrapping my head around this is that you guys really having a, a long run of of being very popular, not having to mm. worry about are there going to be people at the show or not? Right. Yeah, I mean, you so, you know, you still worry like when you're. I constantly had the feeling that we shouldn't be playing places as big as we were on Thursday. And right. then I'd be surprised and it'd be nice. But yeah, like I threw basement shows before I was ever in a band. And so right. like I'd walk into a 3000 seater and be like, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I hate this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, in your opinion is because we've all played the show where it's, you know, the small show that no one's attending. Yeah. Uh, and you're kind of like, I'm old and still doing this. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I get that vibe too much. Uh, but uh, which which is worse at this point? Like, you know, which is worse? Either the 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 Bring Me the Horizon <laughs> chip taste, fest where you're playing... Taste of Chaos. Yeah, the Taste of Chaos or a taste of the back room of the gutter or something. Uh, Last show I played. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when things have real truth ringing in. Oh them. God, yeah, yeah. that's me. So, <laughs> oh, they're painful sometimes. <laughs> or you don't have to I answer the question. Else that I, uh, you know, I, I don't know. 
I don't know if either of you guys drink at all ever. Uh, I don't know if you're still straight edge. Still or straight edge. Jeff. Okay, well, you're probably not as familiar with the feeling that I have is that sometimes I'll get drunk and the next morning remember things. Right. And that's what kind of some of these stories are having is like that moment. Sure. Like, oh, I remember that. That was <laughs> right. horrible. Right. Oh, shame. Because they are weird psychologically. Yeah. You, you, you hide them in your brain. You're yeah. just like, oh, I just had to get through it. But I mean, I'm just thinking because I remember when when Oxford Collapse toured with this band Frightened Rabbit, uh, right. who are yeah. who are about to come out with this this great record on Atlantic, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, amazing guys. Um, and we did a, a tour in 2008 with them. That was tons of fun, and mm-hmm. it was uh, um, so it was a co-headlining tour. Yeah. So we do one show, then uh, and then it became very it became apparent that. Uh, the majority of the people were there right. to see that. And so we made no bones about like, look, we're yeah. much better off like sure. supporting you guys. Um, let's just switch. Right. Yeah, we did and, that with Rise Against. I think yeah. sometimes that's the only way to go. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's, that's something. And you, you guys in TV on the radio. Panthers TV on the radio you know. blew up right when we went on tour. <laughs> Panthers death by death from above 1979. Oh, they happened more than, more than uh, once. Yeah. Because that one, I mean, in America, it wasn't as much, but it was as much, still was like, but definitely was like, oh, you guys should probably be headlining yeah. most of these. And then when we got to Cannes, it was like, oh, right, yeah, you should be headlining, definitely. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, well, and they were there. The one that you it. always hear about, or the one that I always think about is when the national toured with Clap Your Hands, yeah, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, right. years before the national kind of became what they are, and that was like, you know. Bloodbath, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. and that happened before I've heard it happened. that one too. That's actually what I was thinking. That, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that. And that happened before it happened to my band. So yeah. when, when it happened to us, I was just like, oof, <laughs> the national. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Clap your hands, say no fucking way. <laughs> so that's why, that's why we kind of just like, yeah. Like, look, and because we were never, we never felt comfortable as a headlining band anyway. Right. So, um, I sometimes, the yeah. stress of being a headlining band just uh, for so much of just like, I I'm about can't. to head out on my first headliner tomorrow <laughs> as a solo act. So oh. Little, oh, all right. Well, are you, you've got the, you've got the jitters? Uh, yeah. Sure. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bring me to the horizon, a main support again. Is well, that- <laughs> this is the good thing is that it's all people that I really love, like that That's I'm good. with. So it'll be no big deal if we switch it around. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not like my guarantee is enough that anybody will care. Right. It. Right. Um, but, but, um, yeah, but it's still a little nerve wracking because I just started playing guitar for real this year. Right. So it's like, are you playing acoustic? Is yeah. it? And I mean, it's small places. I don't know. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's a lifelong musician right there. Yeah, <laughs> that's the vibe that. of most of us. Yeah, whatever. Um, so think, I mean, you mentioned, you know, you, you started off booking shows. Mm. Uh, so like, let's kind of do the go back. Cause I do want to yeah. hear like where, I mean, Thursday had a long career. Yeah. 15 uh, years the same lineup. 15 years is a crazy time. Uh, to be like, I can't with the it. same lineup. That's, that's, yeah. that's amazing. That's, yeah, disgusting to me. It's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of time with the same dudes. And how, I think we're probably about the same age. So you, uh, you're talking about like high, the end of high school or the very beginning of, yeah, like college or whatever. 19, 19, some, somewhere yeah. around there. Right. 1918. Okay. So you've been a band for almost 100 uh, years. Yeah, <laughs> it's coming right up on it. We might even do a reunion for it. It's going to be a great anniversary. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, so you were, were you based in New Brunswick yeah, area? Right. And so were you booking New Brunswick basement shows, yeah, exactly. which for the listener, 
was a, a was its own scene. In fact, I believe there's a theme for the New theme, Brunswick yeah. Basement. Like, yeah, thank you. Yes, exactly. Like it was like <laughs> what's what, Ari Katz doing these days? Where, that, where does that guy live? Pushing Lifetime still, no. I think. Uh, aren't they still playing? It's been a minute, I think. They, yeah, they were. They yeah. put out a record a couple years ago that was actually very that sounded exactly like. I remember like Panthers. They, like they picked up the was next gonna day. Was going to do a weekend or two with them and just didn't work out uh, with Lifetime. Oh, that would have oh. been. Uh, like yeah. They were. I grew up on Long Island, so I yeah. was also part and parcel of that whole. Thing. Right. Lifetime were, were. We still say, like, well, I say we still, but when Thursday was still together, we'd still be like, what do you think? Ending? Should we go 25 cent giraffes on it? Like, <laughs> break it down to bring it back up? Or, yeah. no? Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like Lifetime songs. Like, that was how we'd reference No, sure. Because I, they, they were, they were so, I think, to, at least for me, far and away, a cut above. What, what almost any other band in the Northeast mm-hmm. was doing in terms of like. Especially the first seven inch. The f- well, there, there, okay. Well, there is the big debate among fans. You know, it's like, are you like a, a background guy or are you like Jersey's best dancers? Like I, when they really got it together. I'm definitely kind of a Jade or actually what's the ferret seven inch? The, fe- the, the one, yeah. When they right. really like when they got their act together. I can't mm-hmm. take the sludgy bullshit. I, I think never, I never was a, super into Lifetime, but. But I had plenty of friends. If I would, I'd yeah. have to choose. I'd I don't choose know, for me, sound more like a hardcore they, band. They encapsulated like everything that I loved and wanted uh, from hardcore and like melodic punk at the time. And just still, like I think those records hold up. Um, they're like 22 minutes long. It's fantastic. Yeah. Perfect rain and blood length. Yeah, I had exactly. a real like surreal experience that was like, uh, I, I don't even, I'm still making sense of it now, but I was at, what was just voted the number one restaurant in New York by Guy Fieri's? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Guy Fieri's uh, American Grill. It's very good. Oh yeah, American okay. Mission oh, oh, Mission Chinese. I've I want to get your take on Mission Chinese. Love Mission Chinese, but yeah. I was there. I was there uh, uh, real late. We were closing it down, and I, I, they asked me for my iPod to put on music, and I had like all like Basinski and weird, and they were just like, okay, like it's getting too weird in here. <laughs> so Danny goes into the back, the chef, and puts on Lifetime. And it's an old song. Really? And I was like, wow. And I was sitting there with Don DeVore from uh, Inca Dagger. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he was like, yes, best era of Lifetime. And I was like, no way, man. And you know, we got into this like, huge fight about which Lifetime is the good Lifetime. So it was, You're uh, a Jade Tree era guy. Yeah, I was yeah. a Jade Tree yeah. era just because, yeah, I just thought like that's when I really liked Ari singing. You know what yes. I mean? Like that's when I started to really like his voice. Before that, I was like, ah. no. Well, the, the thing is, it's, it's a growing mm-hmm. pain But if you saw thing. them back then, they were sure. great in the early days. You know, here's my. I take. never saw them. I missed them. I time to play Connecticut. This is Mike's Mission Chinese food review because we uh, we went there actually my my wife's birthday. Had no problems getting and got a reservation. Great. Re- for the listener, Mission Chinese <laughs> has been voted like the best restaurant here. You reading all these reviews? Yeah. This guy Danny, who's the chef, is like mm-hmm. this kind of cool. Um, I guess he's like a punk kid or something from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of awesome. a lot of unorthodox. Uh, you know, they put uh, pastrami and shit. This ain't your like mama's Chinese. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I thought I liked it. I enjoyed it. Don't know if it uh, deserves the accolades of the best restaurant. I think it's very possible to go there and have a great meal, and go there and have a really strange meal. And uh, I've been there a bunch, and I really, uh, I had an <laughs> amazing experience where. There was a three and a half hour wait, uh-huh. and I was like, okay. And then Danny came out and gave me a hug and was like, come on, come in to the chef's table. And I was like, oh, no, he thinks I'm somebody he knows. 
and I was like, totally like, he was like buying us drinks and I was just like sitting there in shame. Like when he realizes he's going to kick us all out and my friends are going to think I'm a loser, <laughs> but it just turns out he likes like punk and hard. Perfect. Right? Look at that. So, One of the benefits. That's kind of a best yeah. gig actually. Yeah, right. Kind of great. Getting into mission. But look, but. If, I think if Danny had put on uh lifetime while I was eating my yeah. Kung Fu <laughs> pastrami. Of course, yeah. But I've had other yeah. times there before or after that sometime when I was like, okay, that was just really hot. Like yes. the most right. the yes. hottest meal I've ever right. had. And I don't know if it was good because I can't really feel anything in my body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I've since then been back enough that I think it's yeah, it's one of my better than the grease trucks in New Brunswick. Look at that. Bring it back to New Brunswick. Unbelievably better than the grease trucks. I know it's hard to fathom. So you started off uh doing yeah. shows in your basement. Yeah. Um Yeah. Who were you booking at that play? No, I don't no. think we ever I don't played. Think Orchid did play. I know that um a lot of like sort of like the brief lived incarnations of like post orchid bands, like some of Will's bands. Right. Ampere, and maybe. Did, I'm guessing. No, Not. Uh, before Ampere. Oh. It was like Usurp Synapse and Wolves? Did Black Dice uh, play? Uh, have, yeah, Black uh, Dice yeah. played all the time, I right. feel like. Okay. And sometimes they would just show up with pedals. <laughs> And in like you know what I mean? During right. that phase, right? Yeah. Like yeah, they're doing that kind of stuff. We but. played the guy from Automaton's house. I don't know if Orchid did, but oh, all yeah. I asked did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pre. What was pre- that guy's name? Uh, Derek from Automaton. Derek. Yeah. yeah, Derek. We Derek's played awesome. with uh, Adam and his package. Oh, and, uh, State secedes okay. and yeah, Drift. And Drift were one of the best bands ever. Canadian hardcore band. Uh, we had like a lot of Sasha and you and I. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the assistant. Uh, the assistants start yeah, their first shows in our basement. Any, I lived with those guys. Any memorable so. uh, potential worst gig from, or maybe that you did as yeah. a promoter? Yeah, this was yeah, this yeah, was your yeah. parents' house. No, this was like a bunch of like it was me and the U and I kids and this dude. You had a house in New Brunswick. You had a punk yeah. house. Okay. <clears throat> was there a name for this punk house? Just three thirty one. Three thirty one Somerset was like. Okay, like, actually no, just yeah, calling yeah. it three thirty one. Three thirty one was like we did in three years. I think we did almost three hundred shows. So nice. It was like it was one of those like always right shows. Did you do a Palaka show? We did. Yeah. Okay. We did a uh-huh. Palaka. Palaka. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. I went to that show and then we drove yeah. straight down to uh, D.C. on a road trip and then I made my friend drive to Philly because I was like, I gotta see Capitalist Casualties in Hell Nation nice. at Stalag. Was Thursday a band at this point? We started to play a basement show. Like we were like, oh, we should play some of these shows. Okay. These are right. Fun. And uh, and you're putting them on. Yeah, and I'm putting so, them on yeah. anyway, so I can just like throw my band on. It's not. Yeah, and you weren't playing any bands before that. No, okay. No. Um, so like a so a, so a worse gig as a uh, putting together one of these shows. The Swarm played. I don't know if you guys yep. remember the Swarm oh, yeah. from Canada. And yeah, through yeah. Firecrackers. That which, sounds like the Swarm pre-cursed and pre-burning yes. love. But we had a gas line that ran straight where the bands <laughs> played, and it was just like. You're going to blow up the the house, the whole house. Wait, were the swarm like an Acme? Uh, they had, like no, the, the swarm was connected to Left 4 Dead, who had uh-huh. the split record with, with Acrid. Acrid. Oh. Yes. Uh, Acme was from Germany. Acrid yeah, but I was, thought the swarm yeah. like Acrid a wannabe. Was, was Canadian poison free power violence that had okay. members of grade. Union of Uranus S. And it was Union of Uranus okay. C, but a little bit more grindy. Uh, and then Left 4 Dead was more like, the swarm. We're doing like a, a podcast for no one. Then right yeah. now, every listener has left. We would, so. yeah. We, I mean, we would do like kind of everything. We would have like the sort of GSL go 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 nonstop go 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 the the locusts and all all that kind of stuff. And we would also have like we had one show that was Hot Water Music, Kid Dynamite, Leatherface, 
It was just like air temple. Yeah. It just went and went and went. Mm-hmm. And um, those shows would have like, we had the storm windows in the basement. Uh-huh. And kids would open them and hang halfway in the, found, <laughs> the foundation of the house, which was uh, <laughs> real, probably real dangerous. Right. Um, and we actually, the funny one was the, the show that shut us down was Camera Obscura. Oh, ah, yeah. Because uh, they were so loud. They were really? so loud that I got out of, I w- it was my show, but my roommate Clay was doing it because I had a final. Yeah. And I got out of my final like 17 blocks away and heard like this beautiful ambient drone uh-huh. <laughs> and was like kind of getting closer. And I was like, that couldn't possibly be from my house. I would not expect they would be a band that yeah. was because they were like a synthy. Do you remember Camera Obscura? Yeah. Well, well, not the indie uh, well, Camera Obscura from... that my wife loves a lot. Oh, that, that's what I'm thinking. From Camera Obscura was post uh they were GS- shortwave channel. Were they a three one G band or G? Uh, they were in okay. yeah, and, and yeah. Simonetti on Trouble Man. Yeah, put out the record. okay, I remember. That's and it. shortwave yeah. channel was the band before they called yes. a record called Bright Lights They Hurt, which is kind of in the VSS vein. That was a yes. great solid record. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, but I would never picture they would be like when I got there, Dinosaur Junior. Loud. Everybody was there. We had storm doors also in the basement, and everybody was in the backyard listening to them. Wow, not downstairs you could, where the band was because <laughs> they were too, too loud. And then I was like, I got to go stop them. And already there were these bike cops there, which is like the thing in New Brunswick were yellow shirted bike cops. Uh-huh. Wow. You had to watch out for them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. That's amazing. Uh, so then, so you, but then Thursday started um, amidst mm-hmm. all of this. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, and so then, you know, what, what, how did it, why did it stick together? How did it stick together? And, and I guess how did, how does, how do you get involved with victory? Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother story. But, um, so the way that it's, kept working was after we put out like our demo tape Mm -hmm. um a lot of the bands that played the basement would invite us out to their towns because we were really nice like we would you know give them places to sleep and cook for them and even Mm -hmm. if nobody came we would just take care of them you know we had a little fund going that we all worked to keep stocked Mm -hmm. and uh and then uh so i think it was uh katie otto uh, from D.C., mm-hmm. put together a show with us, Majority Rule, and Q&U at the Wilson Youth Center in D.C. Right. And that was like our first weekend out of town. And then um, then Chuck from Hot Water put together a thing in Gainesville for us. And then it was sort of like that. We would just go around the country playing like our friends' shows. Right. And eventually we were like, well, we should tour. And we recorded Full Collapse, which would later come on go on to be like our big record. Mm-hmm. We recorded it and we knew we wanted to tour for it. So we started touring and we were playing a lot of like living rooms to no one. Kind sure. Of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we played a kitchen once to one person and then opened the door to the living room. There were like 45 people playing beer pong <laughs> in there. Just like, are you guys done yet? Like, uh, yeah. Where, where was that? That was Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might have played that house with the, yeah, the tile window yes. on the floor. Yes. Oh, man. I played the house in Atlanta multiple times. We played with Portrait once. Oh, I love uh, Portrait. Yeah, I liked Portrait a lot at the time. And I remember Stick Figure or whatever had their distro out on the porch. Wait, was this the place um, that... You might have Jay, played there, too. When Jay was on, said that it was like the most dangerous where they, they yeah, locked... Yeah, the cops. The, cops they, across the street. Yeah. And they pulled the van into the venue. No, that's and, a... Wait, uh, no, that's a different one. That okay. was like a His Hero Is Gone related. Okay. Jay from Market was telling us, yeah, a story about a place where they would like the cop... So they would They said your van you will in. get broken into unless you like drive it into the venue and right. lock the gate behind you. Yeah, no, the Atlanta house was just like a nice house. Uh but, but in those... a really bad neighborhood. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it had like a weird, like, you know those things at the sup- the supermarket that you put a quarter in and you can ride them? Yeah. yeah like, like one of those on the Plastic porch. horses. Yeah, real creepy. Classic punk house. <laughs> yeah. 
podcasts get weirder and weirder as you I get can further to America. That at that time, I guess that full collapse came out was mm. when my band, Oxford Collapse, kind of started. So oh, when really? you're in those early Googling days, right. I'd be like, what the fuck is full collapse? Like it always right. came up. Under some kind of like you know uh, rock right, and, and I was telling him, porcelain's on full collapse, right? Is that no, that's song? the first one waiting? That's our first record. Oh, okay, okay. There you go. I was just saying. I was telling you before you came. That was one of the first songs I downloaded on Napster. That's so dope. <laughs> I didn't even know what Napster was until people were singing along to Full Collapse at the record release show. And I was right. like, How? <laughs> yeah. This is black magic. But wait, was, so was that because were you guys not necessarily selling records? We were didn't. You, we hadn't sold any yet. Right. So we were like, they know the word. It's weird, right? Oh, wait, and so what label did... It came out on Victory, but when we were first touring, we had it recorded and Victory wasn't in the picture yet. And the thing was, Jen, who used to work at Eyeball, who put out our first record, moved to Victory and was like, I'm going to bring you guys over. Oh, okay. And we kind of had a, like, should we or should we not? Like, it's Victory. Like, they did put out, like, that dope dead guy record. And <laughs> Got now, that right. Wear yeah. the hoodie right now. Let's yeah. do a little brief tangent here for the listener. Yeah. Victory yeah, Records... Is was a huge part of like any kid who was into punk and hardcore in like the mid to late nineties. Even right, though they started yeah. earlier, uh-huh. they, it was it was pretty much the the be all end all for we like run and besides, the streets. We run the streets exactly. <laughs> and besides Revelation, it was like right. the bit, but, but was it was also it was, the first one bringing in like kind of people. In my opinion, like people really getting worried about uh, punk and hardcore getting corporatized. Yeah. Well, it was it was by Tony Brummel from. But the recordings at the time sounded really good. They sound like they were, you know, so good. uh, Yeah. Earth Crisis, Snap, Destroy the Machines, the same producer who who did. Now wait, in all honesty, we've both Jeff and I have gone back and listened to Steps by Snapcase. I find the first record listenable. Does not. uh, It came on in Saint Vitus the other night, right before (laughs) UN played, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like the recording. Have you? A looking glass elf lately looking glass yeah. elf you mean yeah <laughs> looking glass elf which i quoted in my yearbook uh <laughs> quote uh, but victory was one along of those, with earth crisis <laughs> victory is one of those labels that for a time like i'd be like oh well it's on victory i like i would take totally. it i listen to fucking hi-fi and the road burners sure. there was a period where if i made a list was, of my top 10 bands almost yeah. all when i was super super like hardcore kid every yeah. band might have been on victory because yeah, i was totally. just like but yeah uh, you know earth crisis uh dead guy bloodlet uh yeah. integrity like more than that forward. though there was there was this this um overarching like um uh, uh arching overarching yeah overarching. one of those i don't know but i kind of think they both work in different there was ways. an aesthetic yeah, for the la- for the label and it was kind of it was tougher than not tough right it was. you know like it was definitely like it th- wasn't dms like new york hardcore tough but no, kind of but, but victory was not putting yeah. out like uh, emo records except for baby go paul oh, well everybody everybody makes a couple of mistakes <laughs> yeah. every once in a while and um, they would also put their logo on everything. everything. Like, so, I've got a lot uh, of Victory shirts. I say all this stuff, though, because I guess when Thursday gets involved, I mean, mm. at the time, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't know what was going on in the label at the time, uh-huh. but I'm assuming that you guys sounded a lot different than yeah. what the label was known for. Right. We, they, they had just signed Grade and Boy Sets Fire, who their two pre Victory releases were amazing. Right. Mm. So we were kind of like, Oh, like Victory's kind of like picking up initial records and turning that right. into and like they're a branching thing. out, right? Yeah, yeah. So they had done that like, one guilt record. And yeah, it's like they, exactly. Yeah. We're kind of like you know what? If they're going to embrace like the whole Louisville like hardcore thing, like, by the that's grace kinda, of God, yeah, like yep. that's where we're at. Like that's where our heart is. At least sure. so we don't sound like that, but that's kind of like our thing. And we also didn't really have a sense of what that we had never met Tony when we signed to the label, um, but I do remember 
You know, I think it's, I wonder what the statute of limitations is on some of the contracts we signed, but since Thursday's no longer a band, I feel like I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Famous last words. Uh, <laughs> I won't say anything overtly negative about the label because I don't think, I don't think it's fair to really judge that label in terms of like what we would think of as punk rock or not punk rock or any of those things. Right. It's sort of its own thing. They live in a different world then. Yeah. Could you, again, could you come from the basement world? It's a different yeah. world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a different, different thing. It's yeah. a business. It's, it really it's, is it a business. business. Yeah. And yeah. they do, uh, they do know how to push records. Right. For sure. So down your throat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I remember going around and like talking to all these bands that I admire and be like, hey, we're label mates now. And then being like, oh, sucker. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, no. Like after the fourth band was like, oh, sorry. Right. Like yeah. I was like, oh, man, this is kind of weird. And then Full Class came out and nobody really cared. And we were like, okay, but we're touring and this is fun and doesn't really matter. And uh, So even though you guys are on Victory Records and what is this, like 2003, 2004? No, 2000. We recorded the record in '99 or 2000. Oh, so it's it still out. it's still a. This it is what came out in 2000. This is what's fascinating to me because this is a time when like, like labels still had such huge power mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of getting. So even though you guys were on Victory, where mm-hmm. people people still weren't like coming out to these early shows. Or it depended. You know, on sometimes them. I mean yeah. that's the thing. Sometimes they were, and we were getting like rad stuff like. I th- mostly I think on the, because the record wasn't really selling, it was mostly just people had seen us and there was some vibe around the band that they liked. Mm-hmm. So we were getting like spots like opening for the Murder City Devils on their last tour. And, right. You know, Boy Sits Fire and Rival Schools and like bands that were cool that we liked, you know? So it was like, we didn't really care that nobody was buying the record because we just felt like people were getting the bands kind of. And we thought that was kind of weird too, being that we were sort of this band that didn't really sound a lot like much else out there at the time. And we were on Victory. So the whole thing was kind of like a just a weird, like right. none of it made any sense. It was non sequitur, kind of like if you were in the hardcore punk world, like what we were doing, none of it really made any sense. Right. But uh, but well, then, also going along with that though, like was your thought process just like no, this is what, but this is a way for us to do this and consistently, like you know, to 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 exist for fifteen years. Like, no, 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 no. I remember uh, when we finished full collapse, it turned out in this way that sort of shocked us where we were like this is great we should tour on it mm-hmm. and we were all kind of like well we're all in our last semester of college and you know I was really close to becoming a teacher I was in Teach for America mm-hmm. and I was like well you know this is like maybe like maybe we made a great record and we should spend one year touring it like let's all agree one year and we go back to school and this is it right and of course we didn't tell Victory that because we wanted them to push the record sure <laughs> but um, that was the deal we were like one year and then we're done and like right at the end of that one year all of a sudden, like MTV picked up our video, and we're going from being first opener of three to like selling out places twice the size of the tour that we were on. Right, and so that was like a real shock to us, actually. And uh, so all our plans, you know, it's like, was that part of the plan? Like, not really. Right. Part of right. the plan was kind of like, yeah, let's do it. Like, okay, weird, whatever. People think it's on victory, but like, who cares? We're not yeah. Do but it's also that you guys longer. are like in your early twenties or whatever, and just mm-hmm. the idea of getting in a van and going on tour heading awesome. out west yeah. you know yeah. it's uh it was the best <laughs> um <laughs> totally, I, yeah. I love the fact though that's that's kind of the thing that i remember when i kind of started my band oh, my, brother my, you gotta talk about the west no not the west but just no i love the idea of like giving it the year because that's such yeah. a classic thing right. i remember my dad saying to me he's like well do you ever think about maybe just doing it for a year and seeing what happens and a year turned into eight years sometimes whatever, i right. think panthers but, is six years of a year but i love like, I, I love the fact year. that you guys kind of implemented that on yourselves just like 
let's give it a year and see what happens. And yeah. then just the timing mm-hmm. uh, worked out in a way. And again, here's an idea. Like, it just speaks to the time that it happened, that MTV broke this video, which would never happen never. today. Yeah, it's not a thing anymore. And, and we were like, I mean, we were ingrained in the basement culture, like, you know, not to be weird, but like the bands that I cared about were like Orchid and Seisha and Reversal Man and mm-hmm. like Reversal Man broke up in my basement. Yeah. That's another like basement story. Right. And uh, bands like, that never really had a chance to begin with right. outside of just a really tiny niche. Right. Dude, if Heart Attack wrote about you, you were like, what's up? We're the biggest band in the scene. <laughs> right. And like, well, so now you guys have barcode, nobody, so forget about yeah, it. The fact yeah, that nobody okay. listening to this knows what Heart Attack is, like yeah. that shows you what the scope of like right. ambition counted as right. for a basement band. So when that happened with us, uh, and the video broke and stuff. It was kind of like, I didn't believe it until I got home from tour. Like, I knew it was whatever tour we were on, it was like catching on. But I got home for Christmas to my parents' house and just watched as it was played like every 15 minutes, literally all day long, every day over right. Christmas break, which is like when everybody's home watching yeah. TV. So it was like a real, it was a real like surreal moment. And then having our booking agent call me like, all right, so I'm thinking 2,000 caps for your headlining tour. And we were like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the listener, that. that would be to the uh, capacity of two thousand people for yeah, the venue. A lot yeah. of people. But wait, but people. is this <laughs> now? This is translating into your seeing sales. Like MTV started is what started selling the record. But you don't get that over Christmas because SoundScan isn't reporting, and if it is, it's like n- there's nobody at the label to tell you. Right. Mm-hmm. So we come back going into our first headlining tour, and they're like, "Oh yeah, over Christmas break, you sold ten thousand records a week," and we we're like. Okay, we had sold 700 up till now. You right. Know what I mean? Like, right. But you're touring, and now we're sitting on our ass at home selling 10,000 records a week. It really inverts your whole kind of like work ethic and everything that matters to you when you're in a touring band. Right. Um, and also your sense of justice in the world. You know, right. Where you're like, you work really hard and something good happens. It's like, no, that's not how it yeah. works. Right. <laughs> right. And the fact you guys are Which is true. I mean, that's a, I mean, it's an early thing to realize, which is, it's kind of a good thing. But I mean, yeah, that's life. But you guys like, are also yeah. really young at this point, too. Yeah. Super young. And, like, and we're all 21. Wow. So there's, all, and so there's this, this, this new sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Too, mm-hmm. in terms of like what your people are coming out to the shows, people are going to be listening to the follow up record mm-hmm. and punk whatever. guilt, sort of. Too, yeah, well, was good. Time. Is there was there? Yeah, it did, how much punk guilt was there? And also, like, w- was there a mindset of like, well, I also have to be like a representation of the possibility of this other world, the possibility, you know, of DIY and like mm-hmm. basement, and, like and, in, in a different culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, had, the, like, well, had Thursday gotten to a point pre, uh, victory, whatever, where you guys were uh, like a, a, I guess a big local draw in like, like, or in, in like Jersey. a hardcore, so not yeah. really in hardcore in general, but like in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then some like weird kids in hardcore like us that were like, yeah, man, like Joy Division and the Smiths. I guess. <laughs> right. and we're like, really? That's yeah. Cool. You get it. Um, which now seems so absurd that like, of course, every punk, like hardcore right. loves like Joy Division and the Smiths. Yeah. But at the time, it wasn't such a thing. Like, it's I was, really I, hard yeah. to explain. Remember, like, there was a period no. where San Diego was really into the yeah. Smiths. But I remember, yeah, like 1996, 97. I remember my freshman year of college, uh, my girlfriend at the time being like, you know, like the Smiths all of a sudden came in. Yeah. yeah. And then like the Smiths were like the one like, Kind of quote unquote fay band, right? Yeah. That was cool. Cool, right? To, like, to even explain to some kids at this point, probably that there were scenes, right? And in that, different uh, parts of the country. Love uh, will tear us apart. And it was yeah. like, whoa, what are you guys doing? What right. do you think yeah. you're doing? And now it's like, yeah, duh. Like everybody right. has that haircut. That's and- <laughs> the th- it is so, I, yeah, it's like all that. It's like everything is, yeah, everyone kind of listens or, you know, it's not a big thing. 
And it does weird me out. Like I said, like that, you know, like at a certain point, I could say to anyone, that band sounds like they're from San Diego. That band right. sounds like they're from Western Mass. That band regional, sounds like they're from yeah, Canada. Regional, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but it also, it also sounds like you guys didn't necessarily slug it out in the trenches, like touring, playing to no one for years before. No, like a year and a half. Yeah. I mean, we did, we did that for a year and a half and it was brutal, but yeah. it was mm-hmm. like, we never got past the this is fun and weird stage. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. The promoter, aka the kid at his house, was peeking out the blinds, <laughs> pretending not to be there so he wouldn't have to let us in his house because sure. nobody was coming and there was right. no show. Like, yeah. We had a lot of those. <laughs> yes. The novelty but it was still of kind of like we tour, could laugh yeah. at it and be like, look, there he is. He <laughs> right. thinks we don't see him. <laughs> and now we have another 19 hour drive. So. Right. Oh. <laughs> Poorly played. Hey, the promise of the West. The promise of the You're West. You're playing Montana go. on a Tuesday yeah. night anyway. Like, what's? We yeah, might as yeah, well yeah. enjoy it, right? Yeah. It's like, and being a kid from New Jersey, same way. Like, I even in in the whatever it was, eight or nine U.S. tours that we did. I love it. I loved the West. Like, just going yeah. out to the West was like being on a vacation. It didn't matter if no one was at the show. <laughs> we in, need to in, start in, setting off an alarm, like edit it. I bring up the promise of the West every episode. Bring up the promise of the West because I love it every. Yeah, I think, but I think it's one of those things that like if you're if you if you love like playing music and right. touring and are willing to do that stuff i never understood because it never got to the point where like this is all i did and i'm just like we tour record tour, where like the monotony of touring would come in right you know we never got out of the van we never got into a tour bus or right. a point where we're like we were someone else was handling the responsibilities and it was it just comes, us and it's weird yeah. yeah um we got to the monotony of it and we were kind of like in the prime time of it during that taste of chaos tour where we had had success for a bunch of years and we had paid some dues though not as much as most people do and also like i think like the whole thing of paying dues it's like so you can earn your spot on top or something it's just a weird idea right but um because those things are so uh, usually not related at all but anyway um we'd gotten there and we had management we had you know we're on a major label and even our shift to a major label was weird because it seemed like the ethically better thing to do at the time than to be stuck on a label that was trying to sell our contract sure. out from under us. So we were like, well, at least if we pick what label we're going to, we can like at least be in charge of our destiny a little bit. And that seemed kind of like exciting. Then we were on a major, and we kind of felt like, how did we get to a major? Uh-huh. And we were dealing with that world, and we had a manager and a lawyer and a business manager and a booking agent and uh, publicists and you know all these people that were kind of handling anything that you would never want to really handle yourself because right. it's boring. <laughs> well, and at a certain point you get to a, you you uh you the idea is you get to that point where like I've got too much going on that I can't handle this stuff. Certainly we couldn't. Have. Yeah. yeah. We certainly couldn't have at the height of it. Um but then you sort of put yourself in this place where since everybody's handling everything, you don't really have anything to do. Yeah. And you're like, what a dream. I can play music and not do anything else, but I also can't really go out around the club because it's just like Five hours of kids waiting around right. to see you. Unless it's a Denny's. <laughs> Unless you got that. <laughs> exactly. Or like that Taco Bell. Remember the Taco Bell deal? I don't know. You guys were probably tor- Remember when Feed ta- the beat, man. Feed that. Yeah, yeah, we won Feed that. Feed the beat. Yeah. I, yeah. We never really Those talked about that. Did you not win that? Did not win that. But I, I won it. Did you guys yeah. get it? We got it. We tried to pay for studio <laughs> time at Brendan's studio in Park Slope with Taco Bell box as a joke. How'd that work? And I just gave it to him like... 
And he just looked at me and I was like, huh? And he was just like, nope. Like, not funny. Give me my money. For the listener. For the listener, Taco Bell ran an advert or a, they were doing a promotion called Feed the Beat where they were trying to give (laughs) to touring musicians. If you like try, if you won, quote unquote, they gave you $500 in Taco Bell bucks. So I just kind of filled it out. Like it, I don't even remember filling it out. I did it like late at night sitting in my house. And all of a sudden I either got the email first or saw it on Pitchfork. <laughs> uh, a list of who won the feed the beat, and then there was just a list of all these bids. I was like, "Oh, we got five hundred dollars in Taco Bell bucks." And then, like, post that there was like, like Ted Leo was like, "I never signed up for this. I don't want to support this bullshit." <laughs> and I was just kind of like, "I don't know, give me the fucking Taco Bell bucks, whatever. I just give them to me." And we didn't even get them. We got them on the High and Fire tour. We got them the last week of a five week tour. And so, either way, we I still have. Hundred, two hundred. I remember getting some around. kind of runoff. Like we would get, like we we wound up with like twenty Taco Bell right. bucks. It was like five hundred, and they never yeah. expire. I know. <laughs> and you know the one place that doesn't take them? I know is the one right Taco here. Bell and Greenpoint. So I the went Guinness in Boulevard. once after a tour, no money. I think Christy was had to pay for rent that month because that was the tour that kind of I was like, all right, I got to stop touring. Yeah. Uh, and I walked in, ordered a bunch of food, gave it to him. They just looked at me and go, we don't do anything with this. And went to the manager and I just took the food. I was like, I literally have no money. I don't know. I'm walking yeah, out like, and figure it out. Yeah. Now, and then I didn't eat that night. I don't know what I did. That story is so depressing because if the listener doesn't know, uh-huh. uh, the listener is a big part of the show. Here. Um, <laughs> the Taco Bell on McGinnis Boulevard is a Taco Bell combination. Taco Bell KFC yeah. of Doc's it's, racist fame. It, there you go. Yes. It is. It, it was it that one. Is that the one? Probably. I yeah. I mean, we so would guess. it's it's got a key food there, which happens to be the best supermarket in uh, in the world. In I the love. world. Uh, and it also has the the chain. Uh, you know where a lot of vagrants go to deposit their bottles. Yes. yes. Um, and it's an, it's an incredibly depressing strip mall in Where Brooklyn. I used to have to bring my laundry went because I had a washer, not a dryer. <laughs> so I would carry 20 pounds of <laughs> wet clothes. That is, and then I'd uh, see I'd have to skirt around the sign that says, says no drying. Yeah, it says yeah, no yeah. drying without washing. I'm like, yeah. uh, okay, but I do want to ask you if you can compare you guys were on an island, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. How did that compare mm-hmm. to victory? Like you're you're on a, this kind of infamous big indie label, and then mm. you're now in in the the heart of a major label. And also, deal. you have to remember, this wasn't Island. This was Island Def Jam. Right? Oh, okay. This was two okay. labels together. So we had all of Island and all of Def Jam actually made all the decisions for us. Not just you know, there's the hip hop side and the rock side. They right. both made decisions for each other. So they Rick just Rubin had us. a finger in. Well, choices. Rick was not really so. He was more doing American by then. Oh, right, 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 right. But, but Russell Simmons. Russell, Russell Simmons was in right. there. Lior Cohen was yeah. in yeah. there. Um, Julie Greenwald, who now runs Atlantic, was in there. Uh, a whole bunch of people were in there. And it was kind of like we got signed. Kanye West got signed at the same time. <laughs> so we were a lot of part of a lot of the same discussions. And we would see Kanye a lot in the building. And uh, and it was a real it was a real it was a real different thing because uh we were signed by like the high ups mm-hmm. and they liked us right whereas at victory like we we were kind of the underdog yeah. in there that just happened to do better than everybody at yeah. the time and so it was like kind of re- sort of invigorating to feel like everybody liked your band and they'd be like you don't have to write hits like screw that you guys are going to be like the next nirvana do whatever you want and we were just like <laughs> okay so wait, right. at one point were you guys the the biggest selling act on victory Oh yeah, by a lot. Like it was from I think before us was like Hatebreed was like seventy five thousand, and we made it to great like record 
200. Yeah, it's. I love Hatebreed so much. <laughs> it's awesome. Although the new Afro album kind of sucks. But I haven't on. heard the new one, but I do know that like when we're in a van or doing anything like on a bus and we just want to get like ignorant and ready for a yep. show, it's like. I'm putting on Hatebreed now. <laughs> I mean, I grew up with Hatebreed, yeah. you know, the JV booked all of our shows. Wait, just Jamie yeah. just as, a, as a frame of reference, like what would a record like the Bloodlet record or the Dead Guy record have sold? Like I have no idea. 20 to 40,000 records, okay. I think. Really? And then that I many? Think, yeah, I think they did, you know, they did pretty I mean, I well with heavy everything music. sold, yeah. kind of, mm-hmm. except for Baby Go Pile probably, and that even yeah. probably sold more than most of my band, surprisingly. <laughs> And then I think full collapse when we were leaving victory was around 300,000. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and I remember Dan from a band called Joshua. I ran into him mm. when we crossed a hundred thousand. He said, dude, you just hit indie platinum. You know that, right? And I was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. <laughs> indie platinum. Wow. Um, did you get your indie platinum plaque? <laughs> yeah. A cassette tape. Two yeah, plaque. Exactly. Two plaque. <laughs> they just throw it at your face and go, get the hell out it's of a here. Seven inch. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you're dealing with Island Def Jam and it's like weirdly positive and like, like sort of like everybody loves us and like our pulse is like, do you want to fly into the spin cover shoot or do you want to, you know, it's just like stuff like that where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right. sure. I'll fly in. Why right. not? Yeah. And, uh, it's in New York. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fly me from Park Slope. Please. I'll drive to Long Island. LaGuardia, you can fly me back LaGuardia in. to JFK. <laughs> yeah. Still um, takes three hours. <laughs> yeah. And then like, so Lior, the president who's like at the time, maybe, you know, arguably one of the most powerful and important men in music, Comes into our studio sessions for war all the time. Uh, yeah, I don't think he would mind if I said that. Gets really high and then sits in listening to, for, to the song war all the time for the first time and sings along his first time hearing it. Oh, wow. Like kind of like distractedly, like sort of out there being like, yeah, I'm the shadow of the music. <laughs> and we were all like, yo, he's from a different world. He's right. singing along the first time hearing it. So we were just kind of like, this is some weird stuff. And, he told Spin at the time, like, they were like, well, what do you think of Thursday? And he's like, I think their feet don't touch the ground. <laughs> like, stuff like that. Like, where we were like, okay, this is the best. People love us here, and they're pushing our record, and they told us we don't need hits, and then we had a top five hit on that record, right. and it was a Billboard top ten record, which at the time, it sold 80,000 records the first week, which was like a crazy thing. And Which has uh, all got to be also weirdly confusing mentally too because you're you know you're still again coming out of that whole world yeah. and you've got that kind of punk wait, guilt, but the then f- you're like wait a second like the major label that i'm supposed to like i've thought all these years like was yeah. supposed to be such an evil thing yeah is treating me better like because yeah. that's how and i mean indie. yeah yeah like i mean it was atlantic but through vice and it was dealing right, with sure. vice sure, but sure, like sure. it was the same deal where i was just like vice is better than most of the punk labels i've been on right. like just in like they're nicer like they actually like respond to it's professional any... working involved. yeah also and it's job like it's... security yeah like, so a lot of indies like it's like yeah okay they'll be as nice to you as they can while worrying about if they have a job next week too right like i think makes a little difference there on the personal level but it's also like i mean two best labels i was ever on was vice and Ebullition. It's yeah, like, the, awesome. and they're the opposite end. Yeah. Were you on like, Slap a Ham at some point as well? We were sadly you, never on Slap a Ham. No, Trouble Man. I made fuck a, that. Uh, and then Dimock was, you know, Steve Aoki was in his own world at that point, I think. I made a, 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 I was trying to start a, I was trying to start a, like a little hashtag thing on uh-huh. Twitter about Twee Power Violence. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I was like, uh, you know, Bells and Sebastard. Seb- and like, I can't remember what the Slap a Ham one was though. And I like, 
CC'd like all people that I was like, right. I don't know this. Right. No, no, no I didn't. Like, I'm embarrassed by it. Jokes for no one. Because I love I it. We weren't friends yet. In there. We weren't friends yet. Oh, yeah, that's no, true. No, that's true. Are. So now uh, I'm just going to be sitting here trying to merge Tiger <laughs> Trap and Crossed Out. Um, uh, you know, just just in the interest of, t- I mean, so the, yeah, the, the 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 major label experience essentially, you know, like ends at some point. Well, this is uh, okay. So this is what happens, and this is what we learn about the major label world, which is everyone there loves us. We have a record that's already on track to sell more than the the last one within three months, mm-hmm. and we're gearing up for a second video for the ballad which is war all the time. And uh, it's a song that I'm really proud of because I feel like it's a very, it culmin- it's the culmination of being a suburban kid, like growing up near a city, never feeling a part of anything. And I just felt like, to me, it was like, it was the closest I was ever going to get to sort of a Bruce Springsteen type song. Right. It's just really real and really about like how much it, it sucks to feel like you're from nowhere. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> and so we go and shoot a video that I think maybe cost around two hundred thousand dollars to film. Um, I mean, it was that era, you know. Yeah, it was, it was still get away with it. It was two thousand three. We had eighty thousand record sales and three hundred thousand downloads from MTV's The Leak the first week. Wow, and it wasn't seen as a, a conflict, right? You know what I mean? It was like, no, this is going to help having stuff online. Yeah. So, so we're gearing up. We have this video made, and we find out that Lior has left the building and now runs Warner Brothers. Mm. And we're like, okay, it's going to be okay. Everybody's saying it's going to be okay. And then Julie leaves. And then Livia leaves. And like basically everybody who's working for us leaves. Christmas break comes. We come back into the building. There's nobody has replaced them yet. Wow. And we have this hundred something thousand dollar video that's not ever been serviced to MTV. Right. So like nobody knows who's going to get it to MTV. Right. It never gets to MTV. <laughs> it just exists. It somewhere. just exists, yeah, not being region. seen. And we start to realize, like, oh, this record's just going to die without any more push because because it's been pushed so hard and saturated so hard that without that continued push, right. people are like, okay, thank God, that's not in my face anymore. Right, mm-hmm. right. So we start to feel it like tapering off and getting weird, and then they bring in a whole new crew. Who uh, it's L.A. Reed, who's now like a judge on mm-hmm. one of those sure, shows. Of I used yeah. to work for Arista Records. Okay, so he when L.A. was my boss, we know we all know L.A. Years. Okay, yes. So L.A. comes. He liked that I was a rock guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He likes rock guys. Yeah. I mean, he came to see us at Warp Tour, and he saw that kids bugged out. Yeah. And he was like, "All right, I get you guys. There are a lot of bands in the building I don't get, but I get what you're doing. Yeah. All we need to do is get you guys some songs, and you can be stars." And we were like. <laughs> That's the oh, LA Reed treatment right there. LA. Oh, like, you just we got LA. So because we're going to bring in Desmond Child. Yeah. yeah. The matri- the did he bring say, the Matrix in? Or he wanted well, we to? Said, he wanted to. I'm sure he did. We just said, we don't do that. And he was right. like, oh. <laughs> it was like that. that. Was it was it. like, just, that was it. oh. Right, and from there on, it was a whole different world. Like, which is the weird part of major yeah. labels, like, out, like from working on one, and then you know yeah. being, but mostly from working there is like you think that there's. There is a lot more of like decisions get made with stuff with like even just movements like that right. of just like, oh, we're not going to do that. Okay. Well, then we're just not going to do over. I think. And they but, just kind of move and on. And they don't even tell you that. They're yeah. just kind of like, okay, then the decision's made. You, you yeah. know what it is? It's, it is. There's a lot of like almost like little kid like pithy, like what? just like kind of like moves. Like it's not such a, it's not such a, I mean, there's so much business behind it, but it's not like this will own like every thought. It's every thought isn't just business. 
Right. There's a, there's a surprising well, amount this, of that. You know what I found from being on Sub Pop is that there's like when it comes down to it at the end of the mm-hmm. day, it's, it, it is a business. But yeah. you're so invested in what you're doing. And when someone at a label is – you develop these personal relationships and, oh, this person really likes my yep. band. Like this is my art. This is what I want to be doing. So you can't help but take it personally. Yeah. And it's a very difficult relationship to keep up. When you're talking to someone about their art, for lack of a better word, right. and when really like, well, we want you to write singles, mm-hmm. um, which L.A. Reid is coming from a, a completely different mm-hmm. background. It's from a nothing but um, singles. So, and, and you guys are like, okay, well, we don't do that. I mean, you know, right. yeah, because at the end of the day, well, we got to sell some records. Right. And it's, it's just, it's, it's never not messy. Yeah seems like because it, it gets personal yeah well the way that we found out that we weren't a priority was really really interesting and i won't say which high level executive it was but he said he wanted to have a talk with me he knew that uh i want to ask you who it is off because yeah, yeah, i might yeah, know yeah. who it is but oh on. you do possibly sure. probably, if it's maybe an heiress to connection but so go um he invites me to have a sit down with him in his office and i'm like okay I'm going to explain to him like how we can make this work or I'm going to pick his brain about what he thinks we need to do now that we're not using hit writers, you know? <clears throat> so he has me in and uh, I notice first of all that his desk and where he sits are about six inches higher than where my floor <laughs> and chair are, which right away I'm like, okay, I see it. Classic power play. I see this power <laughs> yeah. play going on, but I'm also still kind of like, I'm just so sincere that I just figure everybody else is. That's, what, <laughs> right. that's where I start. You right. know what I mean? And uh, he goes, so I heard this new record is like about uh, your marriage falling apart. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of uh, – and as soon as I start talking, he opens up the New York Times and starts reading it. <laughs> With like no <laughs> – Blatantly. <laughs> just blatant. Just blatantly. Like it waits for me to start talking. It's just like, wow. Whip, you hear the newspaper open and he's just like – I start trailing off until I'm just dead silent. And then he buzzes his assistant to bring in a record and starts highlighting hit songs that he either produced or wrote. Yeah. For no... Wait, oh, wait bring in... Like, could you bring in that people's. CD? Yeah, uh-huh. so somebody's CD. And yeah. he started highlighting. And I was like... First, I just couldn't understand what was going on. <laughs> right. And then when he gave me the time to understand, I was like, oh, I'm not talking to you. I deal in hits. Right. Like, literally... Uh-huh. That was what he said to wow. me there. And uh, I was like, well, this was great. Um, you know, I you know, I hope we can, you know, get a drink or lunch again sometime. This right. was really nice. I just left. And and, uh, and I have to say that L.A. was a total gentleman about it. In the end, we had we were promised $420,000 mm-hmm. to record the next record. And he said, obviously, you're going to take it and make a record. Right? And you like, picked 420 as the number. 420. Because you guys are just going <laughs> to smoke some <laughs> And so we had a discussion, which is like, we could probably record the record for 20 and like use 400 to push it and not even need the label. Right. You know what I mean? Like, just like whatever. Right. And we're like, or we could leave and just be somewhere happy, like Epitaph, you know? Yeah. And so we decided we wanted to leave and we told him and he was like, well, just take the Christmas break to think about it. Came back. Said we want to leave, and he shook our hands and said, "That's all it takes." That's and that, great for major label world. I have to say that was like one of the classier things I've yeah. ever seen. In yeah, LA. He's, he's class. Act. LA is a class act for what I'm of working with them. <laughs> uh, but that is the weird part because it's like to get like you know that's where the craziness of the majors coming because especially they live in such a. Uh, 
old dynamic of how to mm-hmm. do things that mm-hmm. they can just decide like you know i worked at arista when like we had like every hit record mm-hmm. and the place was still failing right like, it was like how can you have like you know like fucking pink's record right. and avril lavigne mm-hmm. and like outcast all at the same time and then still be losing money non-stop right it's because they would kind of do that but for like a lot of shitty bands. Like a I'm lot. pretty sure we were in the red about two million when they let us go. Right. So it's like we would have been working for free from there on. Right. They yeah. Let us go. But yeah. as someone That's who great. growing up being really attuned to like labels and things like that, the fact the fact that you guys went up on Epitaph, mm-hmm. which was alongside Victory, especially mm-hmm. if you were a kid like mm-hmm. in the mid nineties, was like you got your pop punk yep. stuff, or yep. that would probably be more fat records. But that was that was an no, epitaph was I just epitaph loved epitaph too. and fat yeah. rec as the same to me when I was a and, kid. And it sounds that was like, a little sillier to me sure. at the time, but then propaganda. There's I mean there's you know it sounds like a, it, it was a very positive experience. Epitaph was great days. for us. Um and I think a lot of it had to do with realizing that Epitaph and Anti are the same label. Yeah. Just with a different label on the back of the record, right? Like it's all the same people, so they they get it. Like right. they know they were like, oh yeah, you're, you guys are starting to tell like more Nick Cave like stories, and it's like, okay, right. wow, mm-hmm. right, all right, easy. This is I don't which is also it. also whether yeah. right uh, putting out a Nick Cave record, yeah, I know, and you're right, like, right. great, this is working cool. out well. Um, but yeah, no, that's kind of when we, and that was like, you know, another whole great lesson, which was like, you're gonna have great people who love everything you're doing, and they're also gonna like push it as much as it makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not gonna like go overboard when your last record only did a hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, mm-hmm. people like, people loving your stuff only goes so far. They yeah, still yeah. have a job to do, yeah, totally. which you're just like, I get At it. The end of the day. End of the day. End of the almighty so, <laughs> moolah. <laughs> so, so Jeff, to bring this 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 full full circle, mm. um, like, I'm, I'm, there you go. <laughs> um, uh, uh, the question that we ask uh, every guest: uh, What do you think? Of the word gig, gig. I love gig. Uh, gig, <laughs> gig is one of my favorites. Like because I think it encompasses. This is the thing. When you're young and you're like, no man, these are shows I pour my heart out. Like it's. But then when you get like older and you know what it's like to gig. Yeah. Like you know what it's like to show up with your guitar and be like, it's a gig. <laughs> like here we go. Like you start yeah. to realize why all the old like road dog dudes are yeah, like nice gig yeah. man. Because they're like, they know how depressing the world is. That is a unique perspective (laughs) that comes with kind of being almost like a journeyman. You've done it at all these different levels for a long time. Like, you you know when a show is a show. I want a gig. Gig is a gig. Sometimes a gig is just a gig, man. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, just, sometimes you're on the taste of chaos tour. Yeah. So, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, no, you're, and you know, the thing is, is like, you know, we gave it a year and yeah. then we kept going and it was beyond our wildest expectations. And then it stopped being beyond our wildest expectations. It became significantly, significantly below our expectations. And we all realized that like we were in it for life anyway. Yeah. Like that it didn't matter that we couldn't make a living anymore because there's actually no going back now that we knew what it was like to love music in your bones and who you are. Right. And so to me, that's when I started to appreciate things like gigs. Sure. And, you know, just like absurdity and just like i'm stuck there's nothing right. else i can do at this point because i fucking love this and it's stupid that's, that's the absurdity is <laughs> the key life is absurd it's all yeah, fucking right po- who cares and it's yeah, all fucking right. pointless and so whatever <laughs> well look you've got a uh, a solo tour coming up how long is that going to be it's February. All the February. entire month of February. This, this will come month. out in February. <laughs> <laughs> so you got your a whole U.S. 
No, amazingly, it's uh, East Coast and Midwest. All right. Well, listen. In order to uh, have this tour go as as well as possible, uh-huh. we want you to get home safe. Ah, thank you. Worst gig 